Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Brother Dave. We really appreciate you coming in and helping us out here with the music. Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2. We'll get right to it tonight. Uh, I'm going to try to spare you from the introduction thoughts here in regards to where we've been for the last 20 messages or so on Wednesday nights this year. We're in the book of Colossians. Of course, the, the preeminence of Jesus Christ, Colossians 1, 19 or 18, is the key verse that in all things he might have preeminence. We're going to look at three verses tonight in way of uh, the body of the message tonight. And we want to look at this subject, a fancy word, a word that some of you don't know, especially young people, but understanding Gnostic heresy. We'll talk about the Gnostics in detail here in the next 25 minutes or so. Look at verse number 8 of verse number, or chapter number 2, verses 8 through 10. Let's read them all together in unison. Verses, Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, reading in unison. Ready, begin. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. All right, may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's take that verse, these verses apart here in way of introduction. Beware, Paul says, lest any man... Any philosopher or philosopher, I didn't say that word wrong, I wanted to say it the way I said it. Philosophy, we'll talk more about philosophy in a minute here. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, conceitedness and, and uh, elitism and so forth, that people think that they're superior to Christianity and Christ and Christians. After the tradition of men, or the academia of men, after the rudiments or the elementary uh, so-called so foundational building stones of the world, and not after Christ. The world has their religion, it has their philosophy, it has their theology, and it's contrary to the word of God. For in him, that's Jesus Christ, Paul's laying down the gauntlet. He's letting these Gnostics know that uh, these people that have crept into this church at Colossae, that uh, in Christ's superiority, we don't need anything beyond Christ. We have, when we have Jesus, we have it all. And that's what these verses are saying to us, verses 9 and 10. For in him dwelleth all the fullness, that's in Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, not that word bodily, by the way, it doesn't speak about physical form, but in the idea of entirety. And so when you have Jesus Christ, you have God the Father. When you have Jesus Christ, you have God the the Holy Spirit. You have them all. You have the, the Trinity in its entirety. Verse number 10. And ye are complete <clears throat> in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in him. When we have Jesus Christ, we have, we have far more than the world could ever offer. We have, we have everything. We have eternal life. We have abundant life. We have everlasting life. We have uh, all the riches of, of, were seated in heavenly places, according to Ephesians 1 already. And so, um, just in way of one minute of introduction, I'm not going to take time to read the, the review of two weeks ago, our lesson, The Completeness in Christ Alone. We talked about the experiencing the truth in verses 1 to 7 about Christians. We're in a battle, we said, and we're encircled in, in, in a common bond. We, have, we saw the truth about Christ in an increasing way, in an inexhaustible way, in an in, in invincible way. And then we see the truth about Christianity, life in a new dimension, life in a new direction, distinction, 
and in abiding in Christ and abounding in Christ. Tonight, just in way of introduction and actually a parenthesis, I want to spend the time that we have tonight looking at Gnosticism. Gnosticism, the Greek word, of course, is uh, you've heard of the word Gnostic, you've heard of agnostic, you've heard of uh, 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 to Gnostic is, is, comes from a, the Greek verb to know, or uh, means gnosko or Gnosticism or knowledge. We get our word knowledge, excuse me, knowledge. Of course, it comes from the word, our English word, from the word Gnosticism. It means to know. The Gnostics, they were the Elitists of the day, this, the year is around 50 A.D., 50, 55 A.D., and they're already creeping into uh, the church there with their philosophy and their tradition and their belief system. And later on, it's going to come to full fruition in what we know of as Arianism. Uh, not the race, not the Arian race, but Arianism as in Arius and the, the denial that Jesus Christ could be God. And so the Gnostic heresy, when the Bible was written, when the Colossians was written specifically, excuse me, it was just in the beginning stages, but by, by uh, two or three more generations into the second century, it was full-blown. It was in every part of the civilized world, the schools, all the schools of academia, the Harvards and Yales and Oxfords and Cambridges of the day, or the Alexandria Egypts of the day, the schools of learning in uh, Asia Minor and so forth, in Rome and Alexandria, Egypt and so forth, they all were infected with Gnosticism. The belief that matter is evil, matter is physical, and so forth, and can be spiritual. That that uh, and they they denied, of course, it led up to the the heresy that Jesus was not God, of course. And so uh, we see this in its fruition. I see a parallel going on in our country right now. We I think Tim in his prayer said something about how far away we are from God. In 1962 and 63, let me give you a quick history lesson children that are not as old as I am. When I was in kindergarten, we still had prayer in public school. We still read our Bibles in public school. My mom and dad went to a public school. They graduated in 1956, a long time ago. My unsaved dad, they, they, they would quote Psalm 23 every single, every single morning in public school. Uh, we, we chose a pledge that says, One Nation Under God. We had respect for God. We had respect for authority in our country. We had respect for the Bible. And there was a, there was a godliness in, in schools across America and so forth. But then uh, we started to go away from God and we, in our schools and our, in our uh, higher learning, uh, rationalism and what's called German rationalism and French skepticism was uh, inf infiltrated our schools and so forth. And, and of course, many years before the 1960s, but uh, the we we had the the uh, the hippies generation of uh, the 1960s, of course, and we had the intellectual crowd of the anti-American uh, crowd and so forth. And we had uh, fast forward to 2020. We've had the same thing happen in the first century of of where the Colossians was written, and then in the second century, Gnosticism was full blown. Today. In almost all of our colleges across America and around the world, for that matter, our colleges are infected with, with uh, heresy, with making fun of the Bible, making fun of the Word of God, making fun of Jesus Christ, making fun of everything that we hold dear and godly. And uh, I want to give you the features of Gnosticism, seven of them tonight here, and this is the body of our message here, or a history lesson tonight, more, but we'll look at some verses as well. First of all, historically, what is Gnosticism? What's its feature? 
historically, Gnosticism absorbed non-Christian thought, there's the fill-in-the-blank words, non-Christian thought into the Christian faith. It became an unholy mixture between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. And I don't have places for you to write all this down, but it's an unholy mixture between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. And you think of some verses with me, please. And you think of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3. All, three. all three chapters deal with the subject of the wisdom of this world. Let me give you one verse for time's sake. 1 Corinthians 3.19. For the wisdom of this world is what with God? Do you know it? Foolishness with God. The Bible says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he would take it the wise in his own craftiness. The Bible says, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. There's, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 1 that the fear of the Lord is the, be- the beginning of wisdom. Historically, Christians and uh, schools and churches and people, it begins with people, they begin to mix non-Christian belief systems with Christian belief systems. We get so-called academia. You know, I've already mentioned Harvard and Yale and Princeton and all of our Ivy League schools, every one of them, Amherst, I go on and on the list. You look at almost every school, Brown in Rhode Island. All of these schools started off as Christian colleges, Christian universities where God was feared, where Christianity was, 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 uh, was at the top of the, was, was foundational to everything else. And they began to mix and to, with an unholy mixture. The Bible says uh, that touch not the unclean thing. There's uncleanness in, when we mix God's wisdom with man's wisdom. And so historically it absorbed non-Christian thought into the Christian faith. Secondly, philosophically. It lodged sin in matter and therefore repudiated the creator as, and, as either impotent or evil. Let me say that again. Philosophically, it said that it lodged sin. Sin is in matter. There was a group, or it's, it's physical. There was a group that didn't last long. When I was a kid, it was called the Way International. Anybody ever heard of the Way International? I'm just curious. Yeah, see, pardon me. I have to. I looked for an older crowd. No offense, you older people my age and older. You remember the Way International. I, I've never heard of somebody in the Way. I haven't heard about the Way in... 20, 30 years, because it went by the way, the, went by the wayside, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, but the Way International, uh, in fact, I'm just, I'm a blast from the past, I'm going to a, one of those television preachers, who was the guy who wore the cowboy hat and he used to smoke his big cigar and he, what was his name, remember that guy's name, he died, I don't know if he's in heaven or hell, uh, 20 years ago, he, what was that guy's name, he had horses, race horses, and he, Nobody knows. I'm glad you don't know who I'm talking about. He's on national television all over the... I already forgot his name. He's a has-been. At a big church in California. And he was... uh, It's only sin if you think it's sin. And and the way international, if sin is in the body, but we can divide the body from the spirit. And therefore, we don't sin in the... the, the, You know, most heresy is the skin of a truth stuffed with a lie. And uh, the fact of the matter is, it's our flesh that sins, that's true. But uh, the Gnostic, they, the academia, they tried to say uh, philosophically that, that our physical flesh is, 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 is evil, and so therefore it's, 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 uh, 
that's the sin part of us, but we don't, we don't sin, therefore, but uh, uh, we're, we're, in, we're, we're the matter, and uh, I mean, Christ, the creator, is not, not capable. He's either impotent or he's evil because he created this thing of sin. Now, this is, gets real deep here, but uh, this is, uh, I don't want to lose you tonight, but I mentioned for you upperclassmen. There are some offshoots of this philo- philosophy. If you go to Calvinism, classical Calvinism, and then here's a, for you really upperclassmen, for you PhD level people, there's something called superlapsarianism. Look at Google that and find out. The, oh, I, I, I Googled it for you. Here's, here's the definition of superlapsarianism. It's the doctrine that God decreed both election and reprobation prior to creation and then allowed the fall of man as a means of carrying out his divine purposes. In other words, if God knows everything, like Calvinism says, and I believe that God does know everything, but I'm not a Calvinist, that he created man knowing that he was going to sin, so he's the author of sin. Do you see where this convoluted thinking goes? It starts to, if I'm going over your head, I apologize for that. But this philosophy that, that God is the author of sin, essentially. This, uh, when we talk about philosophy, there's at least 2,000 schools of philosophy. We'll get to that in a few moments here. But let me, let me press forward here for time's sake here. We spent too long on two. Number three, practically, we're talking about what Gnosticism is. The Bible says, verse number eight, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Practically, Gnosticism taught numerous Gnostic schools prohibited marriage as multiplying incurable matter. Now, can you think of a certain worldwide church that discourages its most faithful people to marry? Who is that? Say it again. Catholicism. They have a priesthood. They have the, the convents, they have the nunnery. They have, uh, if, you're, if you want to be a eunuch for the Lord, and uh, they teach their priest, and we see well, the, the offspring, uh, offshoot of that here in recent days, and the suing of the Catholic Church because a child, I know we have children here, this, uh, I'll let you fill in the blanks, uh, because of so-called abstinence, since the whole abstinence is so supposedly godliness because uh, the physical union is automatically... Uh, evil, but the Bible says marriage is uh, uh, the uh, marriage is honorable in all things, and the bed undefiled. God's the author of the you, you, the you, uh, procreation. He's the author of uh, of uh, physical union between a man and a woman. God God ordained that. God allows that. God sanctions that. But the Gnostics say prohibited marriage has multiplying incurable matter. Then similar similarly. Numerous Gnostic schools pre, uh, pro- prohibited the eating of certain foods as being inherently evil. Now, I could really step into it tonight here, but uh, if you think of all the, down through the centuries, uh, you think of people that, and we're going to read this later on in Colossians chapter 2, about, and we read it in, in Corinthians as well, and, uh, and Paul, Paul talks about the, you know, touch not, taste not, that certain things are evil because they must be evil because some food is clean and some food is unclean and we could go to the clean and unclean foods in the Old Testament the Jews for there is clean and unclean meat that's true I understand all that but you think about vegetarianism 
And we have several vegetarians in our church, and I respect that. And Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were all vegetarian, evidently. And the, in the garden, they were vegetarian. We could talk about that. But then we get to vegan. And, you know, what, what do you think, you know, I don't want to get too, too silly here, but what do you think God made chickens for? He made chickens for eggs and bacon for, I like that, that message on Pastor Rich used of the full sacrifice of the pig and the, only an offering for the, the, the chicken. But, uh, and then milk. I, mean, I don't care for milk that much, but I love cheese and I love ice cream. And you can tell that, of course. <laughs> but uh, the Gnostics, they, they, made, they, they, they painted certain things as evil, certain foods as evil. God's, uh, God's made all kinds of different foods. And, uh, well, another time, we'll, 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 Lord willing, we'll be talking about this when we get to the succeeding verses, verses... Uh, uh, Verse number 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day. And so don't judge me about my eat meat eating. Thank you very much. And if you don't want to eat meat, don't eat meat. But number, number five, for time's sake, let's move forward. The Gnostics, they, they perverted everything. They perverted the, from a historical point of view, they, 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 they got the Christian to think in non-Christian terms. They, they, they had a pagan philosophy in regards to sin and the matter of evil, and that God must be evil, therefore. Practically, similarly, theologically, the Gnostics said that Jehovah of the Old Testament was portrayed as the tribal, T-R-I-B-A-L, tribal God of Israel, or the local God, in other words, uh, thus denounced as an alien and a hostile deity. You know, the Jews have their God. Today, let's fast forward to 2020. And Islam has their God. And Christianity has their God, and Hinduism has their gods, and Mormons have their gods. You know, one god is as good as another. Who's to say who's what God is right? How dare you be arrogant, you Christian, you bigot? And I'm being facetious now with you. You go out of work and you, you say you get pinned down by, I believe in one true God. I believe in one, one son, Jesus Christ, and he's not only the son of God, but he's God the son. And you're, you're looked at cross-eyed by your fellow workers. Like, how can you be so narrow-minded? How pathetic is that? There's attack on the person of Jesus Christ, attack on the, the one true God of heaven, the God of the Old Testament, who's the God of the New Testament, the one, uh, there's only, the only one true God, of course. And so uh, there's an attack on that, on Jehovah God as being just the tribal or the local God of Israel. Number six, uh, the, the, the attack on Christi, Christi, Christologically, it separated Gnosticism, that it separated Jesus from the Christ. There's many people that believe that Jesus walked on this earth. And some people call him the Christ. Let me finish the fill in the blanks here. Denying both the deity and the humanity should have been fill in the blank word as well, of the Lord. And you would be... Some of you wouldn't be, but some of you might be surprised to know how many mainline Protestant churches, and of course the cults like the Jehovah Witnesses, they, they, they admit that Jesus walked the earth. The, the Muslims believe that Jesus walked the earth. They believe he's a prophet, but they don't believe he's the Christ, the one and only Savior. They don't believe that he's God in the flesh. They say that it's heresy. They don't believe, by the way, he died on the cross. They deny all of that. And the mainline Protestants, I, 
it's Wednesday night, I can just be blunt here, just be very honest with you. Most of your Church of Christ, United Church of Christ, I've had a funeral, a joint funeral with the United Church of Christ pastor, mocked me from the get-go, laughed and said, how about this? And the first words out of his mouth were, how about this? Uh, a fundamentalist for the liberal, this ought to be fun. That was the first words out of his mouth. He went back to his office before that funeral, and he delighted, he greatly delighted. And he's a well-known name. He's been in hell for a number of years now. He was a well-known name in northwest Connecticut. A lot of people knew him, were highly respected. He mocked Jesus Christ to my face. He mocked, he didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ. He didn't believe in that Jesus was God. He didn't believe that there was, he didn't even, he didn't even know there was a God. Mainline Protestant. And so, you know, here's a church, you know, Harvest Baptist Church, here's a church, a Congregationalist Church. And then, you know, they're, they're all colorful. They got rainbows in front of their church. We're, we're, listen, we couldn't be more opposite. They're, they're claimed to be a Christian church. We claim to be a Christian church, but we believe that Christ is the Savior, that he's really God. They mock him. They hate him. And that's the real truth of the matter. Number seven here, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to hurry here. Inevitably, and I guess you let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, Gnosticism, it sinks finally into irreparable apostasy, is the fill-in-the-blank word, a turning away from the faith. Apostasy is not merely corruption. You see, Gnostics, they're just not just a different system of belief in regards to, you know, they came, they, they infiltrated into the church at Colossae and the New Testament churches, and they had a desire to infiltrate and to destroy. They didn't want to cohabit and get along and so forth and just mix up things just for the sake of mixing up things. They want to destroy everything they touch. And let me let you in a little secret, by the way. Antifa, they, they, they don't love our country. They hate our country. They, they hate America. They hate what, everything we stand for. They hate our founders. They hate our president. They hate, they hate you. They hate me. They, they hate Christianity. They would rather have communist China become America. They hate, they hate us. We can't you say, well, maybe we can get along. Maybe we can have some dialogue. No, they, they want to burn down everything. This is like the apostates, the Gnostics. And not merely corruption of the truth, it is a total change, the last fill in the blank word, change of the truth or complete abandonment of the faith previously held. Well, okay, let's, I'm going to end on time regardless. I want to go to Romans chapter 1 here tonight here. I want you to see this here. Romans chapter 1. The end results of Gnosticism, when it comes to full fruition, we'll, we'll finish up here. I got several more things. We'll, we'll, we'll pick up Lord Brennan next Wednesday night here. Let's summarize if we could. Gnosticism hates the true God of the Bible. Is what I'm trying to say. Gnosticism is filled with people that know it all. Can I get frank with you? They're, they're blowhards. Pardon the slang. They're elitist. They're intellectual idiots. They claim to be professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. This is what God says. You say, preacher, you're being, you're being awful mean to these educated people. Look what God says. Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Because that when they, that which may be known of God is manifest or made known in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things verse 20, of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, 
You take a blade of grass. I get so sick and tired of these evolutionists, these agnostics, these, these know-it-alls, these philosophers. You take a blade of grass, and you say that evolved. You're a, you fill in the blank what you are. You're a fool. You're an absolute fool. There's more chemical compounds and components in that blade of grass, and there's jabillions, and I just made a good number up, but jabillions. I think of all the blades of grass around the earth, and God made every one of them and keeps them all alive. But if you're an evolutionist, a devolutionist, you say, oh, that evolved. You're, you're a liar is all you are. You, 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 you look at, uh, I, I, I look at so many things. I look at, the, I always use strawberries. I look at a luscious strawberry. I say, there's got to be a God in heaven. I look at a spider web, and I see the, the, the incredible symmetry of a spider web. And I say, there's got to be a God in heaven. I mean, there's so many things like that. Just, I, see, I see, it's clearly seen everywhere I look. We see God. But the Gnostics says, oh, there can't be a God up in heaven that can do all that. That's, that's crazy. You'd have to be, you'd have to be like, you believe in like miracles in order to believe there's a God in heaven like that. You know, they, so they mock. You know, all the, all the, form, all, all the, the guise of intellectualism. Verse 20 being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, there's that word Godhead again, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, well, I could park right there for a while, they glorified him not as God. Well, let me just say, I believe that God has put in the heart of every single man the belief that there's a God. The fool hath said in his heart, the fool knows in his heart there's a God, but he says in his heart, he tells himself over and over and over again, there's no God, there's no God, no, there's no God. So he, he makes himself believe the lie. No, the Bible says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, Harvard doctors and lawyers, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image of made, made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Yeah, I can't... It's a good thing I... I, I, I got to character in my head right now that I'm, I can't think of his name right now, which is probably a good thing. He's in hell. He's been in hell for a few months. Who was that guy? He had his private island, and, and uh, he was a multimillionaire, and he uh, entertained, uh, what was his name? Somebody help me out. You know what I'm talking about. Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, thank you. Kids don't know who I'm talking about. That's good. And, I mean, so wise. I mean, he'll make millions on Wall Street. And uh, he was a multi, he was a, oh, I can't think. I can't think what he, how he made his money in corruption, and uh, and he perverted himself, and he perverted many other people. Verse twenty-five: Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Let's go back to our lesson. I'm just going to give you one, two, three, four, five. The family of Gnosticism. I'm just going to give you the five points, and we'll pick this up, Lord willing, in more, much more detail. 
next week. This is meant to be an introduction lesson tonight here. The family of Gnosticism, we see the features of Gnosticism. The family of Gnosticism is, first of all, that of intellectualism. Intellectualism is the word. Intellectualism, I'm not going to spell for it for time's sake. Uh, number two is ritualism. Ritualism. Three is legalism. Legalism. Four is mysticism. 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 Five is asceticism. Asceticism. Uh, well, uh, oh, he really want me? Okay, R ritual, ritual. We can spell ritualism. Number two is ritualism. R I T U L A L. Let me go slow. R I T U A L I S M. Legalism. Let's do it together. Ready? L E G A L I S M. Mysticism. Ready? Here we go. All together, class. M Y S T I C I S M. Mysticism, asceticism, ready? A-S-C-E-T-I-C-I-S-M. One more time, slower. A-S-C-E-T-I-C-I-S-M, asceticism. Okay. Intellectualism, or... We're going to see philosophy. I have plenty more I wanted to give you tonight, but uh, we're already overdone tonight. So this, uh, the Bible summarizes, and we'll read the verse one more time and pray and be done tonight. Brother Dave, why don't you come? Let's, let's, let's do one more verse or something there on the piano here, and we'll be dismissed in a minute. But beware, Colossians 2.8, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Christ we have all things. We have all knowledge when we have Christ as our captain, as our savior. Let's, let's sing a song here. How about... Uh,